68 teams started the tournament, only the best have survived. Whether you're riding with one seeds Baylor or Gonzaga, or you're hoping for the Cinderella story in Oregon State, it has been a fantastic March Madness thus far. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100. All it takes is $1 bet and that team winning their next game. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds boosts on pro basketball, hockey, golf, and so much more. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Tip of the Iceberg Podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I'm joined by Nicholas J. Horwat. Horwat, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing good. I got my recording to work just in time for me to start talking. I, I told you I was ready to go, but uh, then quick time that like we like to use on our back end here uh, decided to not work for me. But I fixed it just in time, so we're here. Let's do this. It's going to be a fun episode here as there hasn't been much that has happened since our last episode. Just the series against the Boston Bruins, not much other spade, uh, trade speculation other than that. So we're going to talk a little bit about that series against Boston, a little bit just about the Penguins in general right now, our, our overall feelings on the team as it lays right now. But let's start by talking about that series against the Boston Bruins. The Penguins split the series 1-1, to starting first with a win 4-1. to on Thursday against the Boston Bruins, finally ending the streak of winless games in TD Garden, first since 2014. And then, of course, they followed up with a 7-5 loss on Saturday afternoon. But let's let's talk a little bit about the curse being lifted for the Penguins. A 4-1 victory on Thursday, a pretty good game in all facets for the Pittsburgh Penguins. What did you think of that game? Uh, that game was a ton of fun. I mean... You go in against Dan Vladar and you figure it's the bat, it's their third string, but he's a guy that uh, you know pulled out uh, pulled out a pretty big game against us before, so you kind of got to watch what you're doing. But um, this depleted Penguins team figures it out; they find a way, and it was an impressive way, especially against that team. I mean, yeah, we say especially against that team, but I mean. There's some rant and raving we I'm sure we could both do about how I mean Boston is a one line team and I think when we get to it that uh that Saturday afternoon game really proved it. But uh you know, they're still a good team for what it's worth and being able to pick up a win in Boston like that no less, uh, was huge. Yeah, it was a little strange because at the beginning of that game, it looked like Dan Vladar was getting ready to do exactly what he did the last time the Penguins faced him when that was in Pittsburgh. 
and he was shutting the Penguins down early. They were getting some good opportunities, and Vladar was able to stand tall, but eventually the dam did break. The Pittsburgh Penguins did end the curse of TD Garden, and it's all thanks to mustache boy, mustache pair, I should say, Brian Dumlin and Chris Letang, the Penguins' first D pairing, played a pretty good game on, on Thursday. The team as a whole played pretty well defensively, as they have for most of the recent couple of weeks, and we'll get into what happened on Saturday, which is obviously not an example of good defense by the Pittsburgh Penguins, but they played well on Thursday. It was nice to see them finally get off the schneid in TD Garden. It was nice to see Mike Sullivan pick up his first win in Boston as the Penguins head coach. And it was, it was a good feeling for the Penguins because at that moment, the Penguins had then tied with Washington and the Islanders for first place in the Mass Mutual East Division. It was a three-way tie after Thursday night. Now, of course, since then, the Penguins have fallen back into third place in the division, but they're still not far off right now. No, no, not far off at all. Uh, it's close, especially considering Washington and uh, the Islanders those are teams that they're not showing warts, but they are not the greatest. At least they've looked shaky. I mean, I think Washington has picked up overtime wins. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, you, it's still wins nonetheless, and it still pushes them up the standings, but that's not the kind of win you want to take. We've, we've said it a thousand times here for our own team. Those aren't the wins you want to take and especially in a division like this. So, you know, those two teams are a little, they're a little iffy and shaky. Uh, then there's us, who I guess we could say we're a little iffy and shaky because we've got a thousand and one injuries. And then there's the Boston Bruins, who I mean, which which is who we're discussing. But uh, there are so many things that could be said about the Bruins. Like, what the hell is going on with their goaltending? You're a one line team. You're, in reality, also close to missing the playoffs. Uh, like, what the hell happened there? Um. And this is a team that, you know what, screw it. I would love to see Boston miss the playoffs. I would love that. I hate Boston. I do not like Boston. I will speak that into a microphone. We've made some good friends through this podcast that are Boston fans, and I will give them that. They're cool people. But boy, do I not like their hockey team. Not one bit. This is a very, very winnable division, the yeah. Mass Mutual East Division. For the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, especially the way that they're sitting – this is a very winnable division, and it's mainly because the Penguins, although sometimes it doesn't seem like they're the class of this division, they are one of the one of the top teams in this division. There's no real separation between them, the Islanders, and the Washington Capitals right now. I still think, as you mentioned, the Boston Bruins are still pretty far back at the Pittsburgh Penguins when it comes to the fourth place spot, and really the only reason the Bruins are still in a playoff spot is because of how poorly the Philadelphia Flyers have played over the past month and a half. And even so, if you go to a, to an even lesser extent, how poorly the New York Rangers started the season because the Rangers have, as of late, played a little bit better, but not enough to get to that point where they're overpassing Boston. So it's very much a winnable division for the Penguins. I know a, a couple episodes ago, probably about three weeks to a month ago, I kind of put my foot down and said, you know what, my prediction is going to be this team's going to finish in second in the East Division. Should, you said that at the beginning of the season. It's very possible that the Penguins can come away with a first seed in the East Division. Do I think that's going to happen? That remains to be seen. But it is definitely a winnable division for the Pittsburgh Penguins, even if this team remains injured. 
because we've seen this team now have a win streak of six games and a win streak of five games in a division where there are pretty much good matchups everywhere you look. The, the New York Rangers have been a tough matchup as of late. The New Jersey Devils have been a tough matchup as of late. The, the Buffalo Sabres are an exception to the rule when it comes to the East Division, but everybody has to still pull away with wins in those games. So it's a very, very intriguing storyline for the last month of the season now is going to be how close the East Division standings are. And we always expected it to be that way, but I didn't expect it to be as up for grabs as it is with the circumstance that the Penguins have put themselves in with the injuries. I, it's amazing to me that the Penguins are still a team that is could be looked at as one of the biggest threats in this division, even with the injuries. Yeah, we somehow look like one of the hottest teams in the division despite how injured we are, despite that we had to play uh, Casey to Smith for a couple of games, who is no slouch in net apparently anymore. Mm-hmm. So there is that. Where we have Castaway, Frederick Goudreau going on our third line, and then I'm sure we'll discuss more things from that. Uh, that where we have Anthony Angelo and Radim Zahorna in the lineup. Like, what the hell is this team, and why are we winning? We shouldn't be, but here we are. We are winning. And whenever I look at the standings, I mean, I genuinely, if Boston keeps up their bullshit and how bad they've been, uh, the Rangers are going to topple them. The range, because the Rangers and Flyers both, as we record this, have 39 points. The Rangers could jump the Flyers in a matter of a couple days. And then there go the Flyers, because they're probably just going to fall right out. They'll bottom out. And then for Boston, I mean, it, they hold their own fate with, um, oh, they have like three games in hand on everyone in the division. So, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see what Boston does. They hold their own fate when it comes to them making the making the playoffs. I mean, this is a team that everyone predicted um, would win the division handily. Well, here they are fighting to stay in. And who knows? Maybe Philadelphia turns it around and doesn't bottom out. Then there is a genuine fight for Boston to stay in the playoffs. I Like I said before, it'd be hysterical to watch them as pompous as that team is. And as high and mighty as that one-line team likes to handle themselves. It'd be so funny to see them miss the playoffs. I will be celebrating when that happens. Boston is a team that not that long ago did they miss the playoffs. I believe two seasons ago, the year before they went to the final, they actually missed the Stanley Cup playoffs. So it's not like they're a team that has been a juggernaut and been in every single year. And even last year, yeah, they were in the playoffs. Yeah, they got to the second round against Tampa Bay, but nobody thought they were going anywhere. And they really weren't going anywhere in last year's playoffs. They didn't look to be the team that was on their way to win a President's Trophy. And now this team is a lot less powerful than even that team last season. And that's a team that bowed out pretty easily to the Tampa Bay Lightning, albeit, you know, the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup. But the Bruins are not what they used to be, and we've said that before, but this whole division is not nearly as strong as we all expected it to be at the beginning of the season. And the Penguins have luckily taken that opportunity and kind of ran with it. So it is helpful that the Penguins have been able to stay there 
with the injuries that they've had, but they still need to get healthy because if they're not healthy in the playoffs, I don't know if it's going to really necessarily matter because even though it's been kind of a weak division, you get into the playoffs, the Islanders are going to be a tough out still. The Capitals are still going to be a tough out. Boston, if they get there, that line showed us on Saturday, and let's talk about that in a second, that that one line can propel them to big wins, and that's what happened Saturday in a 7-5 to loss for the Pens. You scored five goals in a game. It's not often you're going to lose, man. Especially with the way that the Penguins' defense has been playing out of the last two weeks. Yeah. That game was nutty. I mean, right now the Penguins are just funny money. They're silly. Like how, like like we said, how the hell are the Penguins stringing together wins like this? It's damn impressive. But then, you know, you're not obviously you're not going to win every game. But you figure, I mean, you just won a game against the same team two nights before. You won a game with four goals. Well, you scored five in the next one, and somehow didn't win. Yeah, figure that one out for me. And it all literally just comes down to three players. Yeah. And maybe David Krejci, who got his second goal of the season. I didn't realize he was that bad this year. Is there something wrong? Was he hurt? Like, is there a reason why this is only his second? He's just old. I also didn't think he was that old. There's so much about this team I don't know. Because I'll give them their credit. Yeah, that first line is, you know, pretty good. Is it the best line in the league? No. I'll say that. I'll back that up. Because I will just immediately point to Colorado and go, you stick Nathan McKinnon with anyone, and that's the best line in the league. (laughs) That's fair. That's that's a, that's a very valid point. But the Boston line, as it's coined, the perfection line. I know you hate that, but they were they were pretty close to perfect on Saturday. They they kind of threw the Penguins through a loop, especially in that second period, starting eleven seconds into the period. It was just a bad period that the Penguins were not able to regroup from. They almost did in the third. Cody Cece having the great shot and a great goal off a nice feed by Mark Jankowski, but then almost immediately after that, you give up the goal. On a two-on-one, Mike Matheson makes a very Mike Matheson-esque play at his own blue line. Turns into a two-on-one, and Pasternak doesn't really miss usually when he gets an opportunity like that. And then, even at the end of the game, that weird situation where Pasternak, empty net, somebody took a penalty, I can't remember, I think it was Latang. Yeah. And he ends up missing the empty net, or they just call it a power play. Well, the Penguins get then onto the power play, get an opportunity. The second they get that momentum and opportunity on the power play... Brad Marshland puts it in from center ice. So it's it was a strange game altogether. And it was, all in all, one of the worst defensively played games the Penguins have played since January. Yeah, that whole last period, or that whole last five, ten minutes or so, was, again, silly. Like, what exactly was happening? I mean, we looked like we had a good shot of pulling it back in, by the way. It really did. Yeah, it was, and it was strange because you shouldn't have felt that way with with the amount of goals that had been scored no. and the way that Boston was playing in the second period and even early in the third period. But the Penguins, they gave themselves a chance. Crosby put that shorthanded goal in. I genuinely thought we have a real chance here. Let's do something with this. Um, I need to ask you: Would you have had uh, Smith pulled on that faceoff? Smart Money says yes. For Mike Sullivan, Smart smart Money says that Sidney Crosby wins that face-off. But he was also going against Patrice Bergeron, who is his curtain light. So it's, it's a tough was, decision. That was when Bergeron was in the box for, but you got to also figure... Oh, that's right. He was in the box for that. Uh, 
I stick with Yeah, it, I but guess. you gotta figure. I mean, we. I mean, it's a face-off, and let's be real. The Penguins' face-off ability has not been too stellar this year. Yeah, to it's say the least. Yeah, and yeah, it's Crosby. I get that. I still think I would have at least made sure we had full possession, like because you see how quickly we lost it, and it was in the back of our net. Those twenty seconds you have DeSmith out there. You know, you make that save. You have a minute left. Like, you have time to regroup if they get a clear. I was just of the opinion that he shouldn't have been pulled at that point, especially because it wasn't like it was six on five. It was five five on five play. Four on four. four I don't even remember what the exact. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a four so on four wild. at that point, and they pulled the Smith to make it a five on four for the Penguins. But it was, it was a strange decision. Uh, it, it was... You know, six in one hand, half dozen in the other. You're going to nitpick whether he does it or not. And, and you can say that if he left DeSmith in there and the Penguins won the face off and weren't able to really get anything going because they didn't have that extra man, you, you could have crucified him for that yeah, too. I mean, it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough decision to make there, and, and it's easy to sit back now and Monday morning quarterback it. But at the end yeah. of the day, they lost that game because they gave up five goals in the second period, and they gave up, what, six goals to that top line it's absolutely yeah you're not going to win a game when you do that no that is absolutely the reason why it is i mean it was all to that top line though because it didn't look like anyone else was able to do anything and the one goal that wasn't the top line was a power play goal so there's nothing too much you could do about it Mm -hmm. so it was just interesting and that's a team that you shut that one line down you got them you have them because there's there is no one else back there that can do anything Mm -hmm. i mean I, and also, that goes with their defense, too. It's Charlie McAvoy, who is still learning, and a bunch of names. Man, I cannot wait for the day the Penguins have a defenseman that is as good as everybody thinks Charlie McAvoy is. <laughs> exactly. That's very true, too. I mean, He's not that good. I don't know. I've been saying you, this forever. You've been saying this forever. <laughs> I, and as I've watched him more this season because they're finally in our division— you're so right, and it's like, yeah, he's a, a pretty good defenseman. Yeah, I get that he's taking the number one defenseman responsibilities for the first time, but people are putting him in the Norris conversation, oh. and it's it's not fitting. I mean, that team is hanging on by a thread, and his play has not been that stellar that I've seen, at least. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but like, he's not that great. He's, he's- not... As good as everybody says he is, is what I'll say. Yeah, he learned he learned from Zajano Char, who was another player who was drastically overrated. We everyone thinks Char is great because he's six foot nine and can skate. Sort of. And at one point he may have been able to lay big hits, but nowadays you skate to the left and you're past him. You know, you like we like these guys because they're tall, and I've been saying this for years. It's the Brent Burns effect. If Brent Burns never grew out his beard and hair, we would have no idea who that guy is. He wouldn't be. In, he probably wouldn't be in the league. He had a couple good seasons, though. Yeah, he was a forward also at one point. So figure that out. They just these are the defensemen that if they don't do these one headline catching things like Zdeno Chara, hey, he's tall, cool, that's mm-hmm. fun. We're gonna cheer for him and make him one of the best. Uh, Brent Burns, hey, he grew, he grew out a beard and long hair. That looks fun. Let's make a meme about that. Now he is one of the best at making huge contract. I can't think of anyone else off the top right now who's like that. Carlson's just overrated. 
So what you're saying is if Mike Matheson grows out a really long ginger beard, he'll all of a sudden become the NHL's next big thing on the blue line. He's already Bobby Orr, okay? Have you seen him skate recently? Former forward, turned defenseman, big beard, Brent Burns equals Mike Matheson. There's a science to it. Yeah, the Mike Matheson thing is so interesting to me, but... (laughs) I, I appreciate that 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 goal. We didn't even discuss it. That goal and that uh, win on Thursday was incredible. It was a, I, it was Bob Barry. The first thing he said was, "It's appropriate that he did that in Boston." And I said, "Whoa, Bob Barry!" <laughs> it's a very Bob Barry thing to say. I get. I tweeted that out too, but whoa, I was doing it as a joke. I wasn't comparing it to Bob Yor because I don't want to be blasphemous like no. that at all. No. But I did compare it to what I saw in the 2017 Stanley Cup Finals when Ron Hainsey did nearly the same thing, minus the fact that Ron Hainsey passed it off, then went to the front of the net and, and scored a goal. Yes. But the whole dodging two defenders and they run into each other and fall down and then shooting up the ice and scoring a goal, yeah, it kind of reminded me of Ron Hainsey in 2017 and it gave me some warm feelings inside. Good old Ronald Hainsey. Yeah, I mean – don't get me wrong, as long as Mike Matheson is doing decent play, I'm not mad at him on my team. As long as he's doing stuff like that and not stuff like we saw Saturday whenever he gave up that goal in the third period, whenever he fell and turned the puck over into a two-on-one? Yep! Yes, exactly. That is a microcosm of Mike Matheson in two games. Yeah, but you want to know whose fault that game probably was anyway? Chris Letang, because... It is. How many losses do we have this year? They're all Chris Letang's fault. We, it's his fault because he said that he did the mustache out of superstition, which means it Ooh. turned into bad luck after he said it. Yeah, no. Obviously, we're all bullshitting here. Um, we called out Letang's mustache, but I did love the fact that he said, well, we haven't won in Boston in a while, so I figured we'd try something new. And yeah, interesting storyline there. But the Penguins... Split a series against the Bruins. And I'll take it. It was in Boston. I'll take a split series with them right now. It's what we said on Thursday. We said, you know what we want? We want to see a series split because that means one thing and one thing only. The Penguins finally won a game in TD Garden. So that's what we did. We finally won a game in TD Garden. Does it suck that we lost that game on Saturday? Yeah, it sucks. Does it suck that we gave up seven goals and didn't look good on Saturday defensively? Yeah. Was it also nice that the Penguins put up five goals on Saturday? Yeah. It was... You don't want to say it was a good loss, but you want to say it was reassuring because we were able to kind of put on a horse race. And I had said for a little while now, like, we're able to win these horse races. You're not going to win every horse race. You know, yeah. you're going to lose a bet every now and again. So, you know, you take this one with for what it's worth. You say, hey, at least we were able to A, score five, B, play hard. We played really hard that game. It's not like we were out to dry for most of it. I mean, the defense may have been, but... Mm-hmm. I, it looked like the forwards knew what they wanted to do. They wanted to be chipping in, and, you know, Cody Cece just decided to also, you know, skate up. So, like, the guys were doing their thing and really making it uh, a fun game to watch. I mean, I'd much rather win a boring game than lose a fun one, but at least it was entertaining Saturday afternoon hockey. Nine times out of ten, the Penguins aren't going to play that poorly in the defensive zone. So the fact that you still were in this game after playing as poorly as you did in your own zone, kind of hanging Casey to Smith out to dry, for example, I mean, it's not going to happen very often. We've only seen it once or twice. We've seen bad defensive play, but only at that level once or twice this season. So nine times out of ten, they're not going to play that bad. They were still in this game. It's an encouraging sign, especially because... 
you know Boston's top line is going to have one of those games every once in a while, and you're not going to be able to stop them, and they weren't on Saturday, and that's just what happened. So the Penguins are 1-1 one one on this road trip. It'll be a six-game road trip. They have four remaining. They have two games against the Rangers this week. So you said that the Rangers could overtake the uh, Flyers. Let's hope they don't do it this week because that means they would have beaten the Penguins. Shit, and then the Penguins right. will follow that up against New Jersey next weekend with two games. The two games against the Rangers, however, are going to be the last two games the Penguins play them in this regular season. The Penguins so far pretty dominant against the New York Rangers with a 5-1 and one record, looking to improve on that and close the book on the Broadway Blue Shirts with two wins on, I believe, Tuesday and Thursday are the games. So... It'll be interesting to see how the Penguins bounce back from Saturday. As bad as it was Saturday in the defensive zone, I'm not worried. It doesn't worry me that much until we see how they bounce back. And the Rangers have been good. We mentioned it. The Rangers have been pretty good lately. We'll see if the Penguins can bounce back and kind of shut them down as they have throughout the rest of the season the other six times they've played them. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. It's just the turnaround, and you just don't lose hope. You hope for the best, and, uh, I mean, yeah, the Rangers have played well, uh, but at the same time, you got to figure for this season, they're still the Rangers. They're still that young team trying to find their way, kind of, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if Zabinijad is all the way back, or if that was just, you know, a show he decided to put on for the Flyers, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see. We know Panarin's there and is always a threat in a way. Uh... The team doesn't scare me too much, I guess. Um, I know it's iffy whenever I say that because I'm not scared of too many teams. That's a fair point. I think the big storyline going into this week that I'm looking for is Tristan Jari. He, he did not play in Boston due to the injury that he suffered in the series prior. But I want to say that he's going to probably play against the Rangers because he did travel with the team to Boston, so he's with the team. It was a day-to-day injury. It was kind of a freak thing when it happened against the Islanders, so we'll see what happens with it. I feel like he's probably going to play one of those two games against the Rangers. I wouldn't mind seeing Casey DeSmith start on Tuesday just to make sure that Tristan Jari is all the way ready to come back in, but it seems as if the Penguins are ready to have Tristan Jari come back into the lineup because otherwise I don't think they would have left the Smith in that entire game on Saturday. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. We'll have to, excuse me, we'll have to see. Uh, what I would have been looking for had they not uh, put him on the taxi squad is the continued play of Frederick Goudreau. Um, we know Bluger's coming back, almost certain at this point. It's, well, now that they put Goudreau back to the taxi squad. It seems very certain that that's uh, what's happening, that Bluger's on his way back in. And we decided to roll with Mark Jankowski. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case, though, because with the way the salary cap is this year, and I don't want to dive too deep into it because it's all politics, finances, stuff like that, but they also put Anthony Angelo there. And if you're taking two guys off your roster, there's not going to be two guys returning. So it might just be something that they put them on the taxi squad to preserve some salary cap numbers and save some money in the couple days that they have this break. But I'm not exactly sure. If they still end up going with Mark Jankowski over Freddie Goudreau and they don't even give Goudreau a chance at that fourth-line center role, it's not going to be something that's going to be well-received at the very least 
among Penn's Twitter because even though Jankowski did finally score a goal on a goalie on Saturday, and he potted a pretty nice assist as well, he's not the guy that I'm still trusting right now to go as the fourth-line center. I would give Freddie Gaudreau an opportunity there. So we'll see what ends up happening. And Jankowski's goal, it wasn't even like it was his... I mean, it was his goal. It wasn't even like it was his goal, though, if you know what I mean. It was it, a he deflection. Was, it was the second deflection. That's, yeah. That's the funny part of it. Like, yeah, a deflection's one thing. But when you have the second deflection and the first one's off of, off of the defenseman of the other team, eh, eh, you're not the one that really took the shot and you weren't the one that really deflected it. Don't get me wrong, it's your goal and that's the way they're going to count it. But Bobby Orr, sorry, Mike Matheson taking that shot. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a fun time to be Mark Jankowski, I guess. Eh? Hey, he's still on the pro roster and he's remained on the pro roster this entire season. So we'll see what Hextall and Burke decide to do. Going down into the final week before the trade deadline, before we go to break really quickly, I want to I ask you, if you're the general manager right now, what is the one move you need to make? Oh, it's it's so hard to tell that with all these injuries and that they're all going to come back at some point. I feel like the one move, if I'm this general manager on this team, I'm noticing that our uh, call-up guys and taxi squad have been, has been, have been playing fairly well and have been contributing in their part. Our injuries are going to be getting healthy and coming back into the lineup. I think I'm shipping off... Uh, probably Pedersen for assets and working from the draft for this year. Our team looks so, good. So I you're mean, not bolstering the lineup at all. You're basically keeping the same lineup and getting what you can for Pedersen, knowing that whoever's going to step in for Pedersen is going to be just as good and it's not going to hurt the team now. Yeah, I, that's what I'm rolling with, I think. I mean, yeah, I'm going to see all these names still pop out, the Dustin Brown thing that we had a long conversation about, Anthony Mantha, uh, you said Eric Halla, and just all these names that we're going to discuss, I'm sure. What do you do when everyone's healthy, though? That's the that's the part that I've run into. I mean, I mean, we we saw that we're putting Goudreau through the taxi squad reins again. That's uh, so we're deciding on maybe keeping Mark Jankowski in the lineup. I mean, yeah, this is this is all speculation. We don't play until Tuesday, so I mean, we we don't know anything. That could all change. But I mean, like, what do you do when everyone's healthy? Now you have a surplus at center. I mean, that's cool. You're, you're, that's a good thing to have going into a playoff push. But, like, I mean, really, someone that you are that you relied on at one point or another in the season is just going to be healthy scratched or on the taxi squad not seeing any ice time again. If that person is Mark Jankowski, so be it. But if that person is Mark Jankowski, judging by the current rate of uh, our centers right now, it seems like Goudreau is also the one that's getting the short stick here and is already out. So... Mm-hmm. It's a lot of question marks. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I would love. I love trades. Trades are fun on this team, except whenever we don't like them. But for the most part, they're a news discussion to have, and there's always the point of you're looking at it as a new a new opportunity for someone, one way or the other. So obviously, trades are fun. It will give us stuff to talk about, and we would. And that's something to evaluate and to really look at. But this is a time that. Like I said, if I was this general manager on this team and I said I was going to use this year as an evaluation year, why not hold to that? Our team looks phenomenal without, with you know, a bunch of call-ups and injured players. I say we just roll. 
That's a fair point. And, and you mentioned the Pedersen move to get some assets. I feel like we need Pedersen, assets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Penguins are definitely in, in desperate need of ads, assets to try to kind of bulk something. up the back end of the organization. But I could honestly see them making a small minor move. I don't see them making any big moves. Nothing big splash. Yeah. Maybe a, another guy that can help in the faceoff dot. As, as we mentioned earlier, the Penguins are kind of abysmal when it comes to that category. Crosby can hold his own, but... Apart from that, Bluger is good, but Bluger is hurt right now. He, he's he's set to come back soon, but still, only having two centers that are half decent at faceoffs is not a good sign. And you definitely need somebody on that fourth line that can do something a little better along the lines of faceoffs. So I'm not exactly sure what they would do. Who knows? Maybe they trade a guy like Pedersen, get a couple of assets, and feel free to to get rid of an equal or lesser value asset to add a forward. I'm not exactly sure, but I don't think there's going to be any big moves. If there is, it color me surprised, definitely. If they bring in a guy like Mantha or if they get bring in a guy like Dustin Brown, I'll be very, very surprised. Yeah. But, you know, as you mentioned, I'm not upset at it. It's always nice to see new blood. It's always yeah. nice to see a new player in the lineup and, and just kind of speculate as to how they're going to play. I remember last season when the Penguins traded for Jason Zucker, how excited everybody was. It, it kind of sucked to give up both the first-round pick and Kalen Addison. It was kind of a happy moment for everybody whenever Alex Galchenyuk was shipped out of the Pittsburgh Penguins, but it was fun to speculate how good Jason Zucker was going to be. And last year at times, he looked to be phenomenal on this team. And this year has been a rough year for him with the injury yeah. and kind of a slow start, but hopefully he turns it around here. The point being, it'll still be okay to see new blood in the lineup. I'm just hoping you make the right move and you don't waste an asset on a guy that's not going to help you and that's not going to make the lineup whenever the team gets healthy. I doubt that Hextall is the type of general manager to do that. I think that's more along the lines of a GMJR quality, but I think we're going to see something in the next week that's going to tell us exactly what Hextall and Burke think of this organization and this team right now. Yeah, there's always fun things whenever trades happen. I mean, like, like last year is a really good example, whether we liked him or not, is a really good example of there's always some fun stuff to come from just about any trade we make. You know, you look at the Zucker one, we see where that went. We had Patrick Marlowe for what it's worth. Yeah. Wasn't fun. Was not fun. But for what it's worth, it was interesting. Yeah. You know, we got a future hall of famer on our team for a little bit. Apparently he grew up rooting for the penguins. Like all the cool storyline. Story yeah, all the storylines were kind of there for him. I was like, you know what? Oh, let's give it to him. Let's see if we're the team that can do it for him. Clearly not. You know, then the, <laughs> yeah, no. the Connor Sheary thing. Hey, he won two cups here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the the one that hurt there was getting rid of Dominic Cahoon. But, you know, it, it gave us stuff to talk about. Like, hey, we got Sheary back. That's fun, right, guys? Hey, there's Evan Rodriguez as well who, by the way, has really shut me up this year. <laughs> I mean, no matter what the trade is, like it or not, there's always something to talk about with it. And you go back to the Eric and Branson moves. Like, there was always a little discussion there. Like, what do we do with this player now? We got him. Do we turn his career around like we did with Justin Schultz, or is it just another shit situation? So any move we'll, we will dissect far too deep, and we'll enjoy it. But I just don't – I just – I wouldn't myself. You want to hear a funny comparison that my brain just made whenever you talked about Evan Rodriguez kind of surprising you? Looking at the jersey that's behind you, and for those of you who can't see it, it's a Pittsburgh Pirates jersey. When you said Evan Rodriguez is kind of surprising me, 
I thought to myself, I was like, yeah, he's kind of the super utility guy. And I was like, you know what? I kind of see the resemblance between his legacy in Pittsburgh and the way he's viewed and the way that Sean Rodriguez was viewed for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, Sean Rod. He, he was kind of a super utility guy. Played pretty much anywhere you needed him to play. He wasn't great, but he had moments where, hey, that's amazing or that's really cool. Need us bring up the Gatorade cooler knockout that he had. And then the fact that for one season, Sean Rodriguez was like a grade A slugger for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So yeah, Evan Rodriguez, kind of super utility guy, has his moments that are fantastic. And the rest of the time is kind of just the punching bag for Pittsburgh fans. Oh yeah, I, I get it. And I, he is the super utility guy. You can put him anywhere and we have put him anywhere. So that's a, that is a key to have in your lineup no matter what. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's a great comparison. I didn't, I never really thought of that. <laughs> Um, God, those were some weird days of the Pirates organization, too. That was the tail end of them actually having any opportunity to be a good baseball team. They didn't look good then, but yeah. Yeah, that was that, was that era. Yeah, and the Pirates already with Key Brian Hayes on the injured list, so it's already, already not going well for the Buccos. Ride those tanks hard, baby. <laughs> Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to close things out today with our Pens poll. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Hey, hockey fans, I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of <laughs> like, you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. You get a phone call. He's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who who he should have checked over here. And then <laughs> I, I looked down at my face. Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. But we do agree that there are many people and places that build the house of hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We have our pens poll for this week and it is centered on the one thing that the Penguins storylines have all been centered on for this season and it's injuries. But this is the upside of injuries, the return of injured players. Our poll last week was whose return from the injured list will make the biggest impact of, of course, excluding Evgeny Malkin. 
Teddy Bluger won the poll with 30% of the vote. Brandon Tanev came in second with 27%. Kasperi Kapanen got the bronze medal with 25%. And Jason Zucker finished with 18% of the vote. Of course, when this came out, none of them had returned. Since then, both Brandon Tanev and Jason Zucker have returned to play. Teddy Bluger looking like it's going to happen in the next week or so. Horwat, what did you think of this poll? What did you think of the results? And who did you vote for? These results these results make a lot of sense. I would have figured Zucker would have been closer. I mean, I would have figured out of these four names, they all would have come up fairly even mm-hmm. um, because they are all important in their own right and in their own way. Uh, but I personally am not surprised by Teddy Bluger. That is the one I voted for as well because, I mean, he is one of the most important players on this team. He can do it all, really. Um, and... The defensive forward is so underappreciated in hockey sometimes that you don't forget they're there, but what forward wants to play defense? Teddy, Teddy Bluger does. That's Zach Aston Reese does. Um, so Teddy was my choice just because he's just so important to the team in general. Mm-hmm. When healthy, he's one of the most important players because he is the depth guy that's going to do everything for you and... He's a guy that we just need back in this lineup. He's steady. He's calm. He's got a presence about him that's just easy. Just settle in, play your game, do it right. And, I mean, yeah, we also we saw Brandon Tanev back in this lineup. We saw the the sheriff is incredible. The sh- Loved that. I don't know who he was yelling at. Someone tried to debunk it and say it wasn't a guy who played 10 games. I don't care who he was yelling at. He could have been yelling at Bergeron. You've played 10 games in this league. Go back to the minors. Tell anyone in the league that that is a sick burn, and I love it. I mean, to be fair, if it's not Bergeron, Marchand, or Pasternak, pretty much everybody on the Bruins have only played 10 games in this league. Exactly. Like, who really cares who he's yelling at? That's a sick burn, and it's really funny. You could tell it to you could tell that to Crosby, and I'd, I'd be like, you know what? That's fun. That's funny. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, this poll did not surprise me at all because I feel like Obviously, all four of these players coming back healthy would be very important for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're four very important players to this roster, so I'm not surprised that all of them were pretty close. Also, because these are four players that are pretty much beloved in the Penguins universe, especially on Penguins Twitter. And I also voted for Teddy Bluger, mainly because of how short-staffed the Penguins are at center when it comes to behind Crosby right now we all had talked for a while about it being Crosby and then the bottom nine yeah McCann has filled in pretty well as the second line center as of right now yeah Freddie Gaudreau has played pretty well as that third line center as of late but Mark Jankowski is not anything special Freddie Gaudreau should be a fourth liner in this league it's been nice to see him play pretty well on that third line and listen we want that third line to be reunited fully and right now the missing piece is Teddy Bluger so obviously that's going to be a big portion of that and Teddy Bluger does drive a lot of play on that fourth line he's also the Penguins top penalty killing center but here's the thing when Brandon Tanev came back they reunited him with Zach Aston Reese and then they just threw Freddie Gaudreau in the middle there that line automatically became a pretty pretty solid third line just by putting a capable center there and then putting Aston Reese and Tanev together. Now, if you have the missing link in Bluger, once he returns, you have your third line set again. And for the first time, we finally have a fully healthy line that is set besides the first line. 
So you have this first and third line that are just set for all healthy. And then you're just missing Malkin and Kapanen to kind of fill out everything else. I think the most important return is going to be the next return because that'll be the one that knocks Sam Lafferty out of the lineup, hopefully. Because it's going to be either him or Angelo. And honestly, Angelo deserves to be in the lineup over Lafferty right now. Yeah, for sure. At, between those two, it's definitely Angelo. Uh, it's just hard to I – mean, we're not in the hockey minds of, of you know, head coach Mike Sullivan or his crew behind the bench. We don't know what goes on off the ice either because, you know, sometimes the off-ice politicking, you know, lends its hand into all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, to the Goudreau thing, he has just endeared himself to this whole fan base. I mean – the the Aston the Zach Aston Reese story of him running into Goudreau at Whole Foods, wherever it was. Who else is gonna tell that story other than like those two? Those are the just two random players that just ran into each other in a cranberry, uh, cranberry PA grocery store. You're not getting that kind of story out of like anyone else. I feel like because everybody else just orders their food to be delivered to their house. I was also very surprised that Goudreau said he was living here. I, I Maybe I shouldn't have been, but, like, I don't know. I was a little shocked that he was like, yeah, I'm living here. I was like, all right, you signed a one-year deal, and you played in Wilkes-Barre for a little bit. Are you sure? Maybe but, he was made promises by GM Jim Rutherford. I, I'm not – I mean, I guess you have to kind of live where you are, and it's not like these guys aren't making money. They can do it. It's just I've, that's just always astonished astonished me. Yeah, that's the word. But yeah, no, it's whenever this lineup is fully healthy again, I would like Goudreau to be in it. I would like Angelo to be in it, and Lafferty and Jankowski to not be. Bluger to be in there as the third line guy. I mean, yeah, you make your third line again with um, Tanev, Bluger, and Aston Reese, and that's kind of a rough third line. Mm-hmm. But if you just are able to figure out the fourth line and put a scoring toucher down there and well, you kind of tell the, tell your boys, hey, we're not on a four-line game here. We're just kind of all playing. Then maybe they they roll with it, but it could be a lot of fun. This lineup could be um, very entertaining with everyone healthy. It's been nice to see the Penguins get a couple of guys back. Brandon Tanev, I mean, when you come back from injury, usually you see some players a little tentative, a little just trying to feel out process. Brandon Tanev came back the way that you would expect Brandon Tanev to come back, going 100 miles an hour, flying around without his helmet on, and telling people to screw off on the Boston Bruins because they've only played 10 games and they should go back to the minors. So it was nice to see him come back. Yeah, exactly. Calling him a sheriff, which is just the most out-of-left-field chirp that you can imagine. But it's nice to see guys like him and Jason Zucker come back into the lineup. I'll be excited to see Teddy Bluger come back in the lineup and then – What's next? Kasperi Kapanen probably is the next guy to hopefully get back on the ice for the Penguins. Evgeny Malkin is still working off ice trying to get back, and hopefully the Penguins can remain healthy going into these next couple of weeks and and throughout the rest of the season because it has been something that has challenged them throughout this year, yet they've still been able to put themselves in position to be a top team in this division. So hopefully it all continues to mold together, and hopefully – Hextall shows his hand a little bit because we'd love to know what's in the mind of Ronnie Hextall and Brian Burke about this organization. And if we don't find out before the trade deadline or by the trade deadline, we're going to have to wait till the offseason to see what they think about this current organization. Yeah. 
God, I really hope they like Tanev. <laughs> I, I I think it's pretty hard to not like Brandon Tanev at this point. Yeah, like I want to take I want to take Tanev's contract one year at a time still because he is a player that plays like that. Uh, but if he's able to finish a year strong, I'm gonna say you keep him around until he starts falling apart on the ice in front of you. Then you figure I, it out. I, I find it hard to believe that that's going to happen in the next year or so. I feel like he's going to keep that pace of play. Barring anything dramatic, he's going to keep that a crazy turbo pace of play for at least the next season, maybe two, yeah, without and, really any slow. Yeah, and then the bigger question will come this offseason, toward the end of this season, into the playoffs. Who's getting protected? Yeah, we still have to... Once the trade deadline passes, we'll have our, our little discussion on the seattle mock draft we already have 1.0 out go back and listen to that but we'll have seattle mock draft 2.0 coming up here in a week or so following the trade deadline yeah it'll be a lot of fun i mean it'll be the talk of the offseason again like it was in vegas i mean except this time around for pittsburgh it's not kind of blatantly obvious what's gonna happen <laughs> this one there's genuine well who who could it be who will it be what who are we protecting who aren't we protecting because there's a name. We're losing a name this year. I hope everyone knows that. There's going to be genuine anxiety for that pick this season instead of last year when it said, okay, Pittsburgh's pick. It's like, okay, bye, Flurry. Peace out. That's like we knew that was happening. So, But that's going to do it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. Horwat, any other words, any other words of wisdom, any other statements for the listeners before we let them go to start the week? Yes, uh, uh, food conversation. If you have not made your own chicken stock for chicken noodle soup, do it. From scratch, it's incredible. It's the best thing you'll ever have. Me and uh, my girlfriend Megan turned 21 this past weekend. We went to our buddy Matt's house and made chicken stock from scratch. I've talked about both of those people on the podcast before. I don't know why I titled them like that. But, yes, do it from scratch. A little food conversation for you. If you really have that time, it takes all day. Just let get let know that now. It takes all damn day, but it's very well worth it. And uh, you'll have soup for a week because you make a lot of it. There you go. I don't know if I'd necessarily be able to do that. I don't know. That'd be a little weird. I'm not sure if that'd be something that I, w- I would enjoy, but maybe we'll try it. I'll try. I'm... I am eventually moving out soon, too, so once I start cooking a little more often by myself, I'll try and bring some food wisdom to the podcast. Nicholas Ramsey on the show. (laughs) That's going to do it for this episode, though. Let's hope the Penguins have a good week. They're taking on the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden for a two-game set. We'll see you guys on Thursday to discuss what happens on Tuesday night. See you guys. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.